What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Raising Adults. Kira and Dina here. And we are going to talk about kids and community today. And how do you foster a strong community for your kids, Uh, especially, I think, if you're not naturally community-oriented, maybe you're shy or you're not very social, but you still know the importance of wanting your kids to have a network of people that they feel safe with and that they can trust and that they can turn to, you know, how do you you go about that? So we're going to talk about that today. Um, But before we do, I want to share an interesting future-focused parenting anecdote that happened um, when I was at the library with my friend Amy the other day. It was so interesting watching her parent because she is definitely a future-focused parent. And there was a situation between our kids where one of her sons um, did something that was totally age-appropriate, but also not okay. And she really focused on working through that moment with him and did not stop until the moment was done and he had apologized. And I thought that was really lovely to watch because it really was something that, you know, if she had let it go, you know, it wouldn't have offended us if it had been let go. But I could tell that for her, she was thinking, I can't let this go. Mm. It's so important that I see this through so that he learns this is not okay and we get to the end of this situation. And like 10 minutes later, after this happened, um, a little girl, we were at the library, and a little girl like accidentally stepped on Reese's foot. It was a total accident. And the mom said, you need to say you're sorry. And the little girl said, no, I don't want to. And Reese didn't really respond, and I didn't really respond. And so I could see the mom kind of go, okay, well, I'm just going to let it go. And she walked away. And it was just so interesting having the juxtaposition of here's this mom that's future focused and mm-hmm. thinking like my kid's going to learn something no matter what I do here yeah. what do I want them to learn um and then in the exact same breath this other mom that let it go it was just a it was just a real testament to what a great job my friend is doing but also that future focused mentality yes i mean you got to see it almost side by side which is really great and the impact of here's a lesson and actually unfortunately that other child was kind of done a disservice cuz they were taught oh, this is a big deal for maybe 10 seconds until mom lets it go. Now it's not a big deal. So ultimately, they learned they're in charge of what's a big deal. That's also another huge thing is that Mm -hmm. while they're little, the parent needs to decide what's a big deal until they know. Yeah, absolutely. But then I will give myself some credit. In my next breath, I was thinking about survival mode and having just come out of that. And I was like, we don't know what they're going through. I thought, you know, I have no idea what this mom has been through. Maybe this just isn't a fight that she can handle today, and that's okay. And so I went from, you know, not judging, but sort of being being sad that that moment wasn't taken mm-hmm. care of to, well, it's just not for me to know or to judge. But it was it was just very eye-opening seeing those two things yeah. next to each other. Good for you for going to the empathy place, yeah. though, because it's so true. I mean, that could be any of us on any given day. Absolutely. And I know I know there have been moments where I have said, I can't. I just can't with that today. I'm not picking that today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I know in my heart, I pick it every other time. But out in the world, someone else maybe doesn't know that. know that. So yeah, I was trying to give that person a little bit of grace as well. But it was, I was very proud of my friend. And it was just kind of nice to see up against this other choice. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So let's talk about community. Let's. So do you want to start with your why? Sure. I 
tend toward the introverted side, even though I can function fine out in the world and I can be an extrovert, but then I'm going to need a break after that. And so I think for me, I have a natural inclination to maybe not build a ton of community. And I've had to work to not fight that, but just to invite some of the people in my world and even organizations that can also provide community. It just doesn't really come naturally to me. So it became important to me because of that. It's not my natural bent, but I want to make sure that my kids, if they come up against a challenging situation or they're struggling or they're sad, that they have all kinds of people that could come alongside, maybe walk it with them, maybe have experienced it themselves, and that there's some variety to choose from. So it was also important to me, not just they have generic community, but there's oh, I know that this particular friend group would be great for this, or I know this is a time where I'm really going to want family or my church friends or whatever. And so it became important to me because it's not my natural bent. And I think sometimes that does happen in parenting. It's maybe not what would we, not what we would have gone to if we were totally left to our own devices. Well, and I think that that's actually really important in parenting. And we've talked about this before, like knowing where you're spots are that someone else is going to have to fill mm-hmm. like that that or that you need to be really aware I might not fill this if I'm not super intentional about it so it's great that you know that about yourself it's so true and I think some of it too just being a kind of a private person is when I'm actually really struggling I only want my few special people anyway I don't want a huge community but community is really important if you're going through a generic kind of struggle. Like I felt really blessed by my larger community when I went through my divorce Mm -hmm. and during my time as a single mom. So I was glad I had made the time and effort to build it, even though it's maybe not what I would have done naturally. So I couldn't agree more. It's really a big deal. Hmm. It's interesting because my why is almost the flip of that. Like, as, as you know, and as our listeners know, like I am not a private person. I'm an open book. And I had private parents who didn't really build community. And like, we never knew our neighbors. We moved around a lot too. I don't think that that helped. And I remembered feeling like I didn't have a community. And I'm an only child as well. So I didn't even really have siblings or someone community in my own home. And that became really important to me, even in early adulthood. Like Dave and I have always known our neighbors. We always make our neighbors our best friends because I I love that. I need that. I didn't get that as a kid. And for our kids, one of the huge whys for me was that we have my dad, um, but otherwise there's no family. We have Dave's sister, who now has a little boy, um, but for a long time didn't. And so there's no cousins. There were no cousins. There is now a cousin, but there's a huge age gap there. We see them once a year. You know, so they don't have a natural community either. And I was really aware I did not want them to have the experience I had. And so building community became just really, really important. And I think Dave and I, being in theater, we always had a strong community. So we kind of wanted to keep that going with the kids. Mm -hmm. I love theater community. I'll get to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. (laughs) It's a special community. I mean, it's like a family. It really is an extension of your family and you grow so close with people and get to know them in such a vulnerable way, like really in a deep way, because you are creatively exploring together. You're going to hard parts of yourself. You're going to hard parts of the world and hard topics together. And it does bond you. You know, Mm -hmm. you go through this incredible experience together and Mm -hmm. come out the other side. So yeah, yeah, really true. Yeah. 
So what did it look like for you? And I'm curious, too, because I would think with the faith paradigm, you almost have a built-in community, whereas we don't have that. So talk talk about all of it. Definitely one of the things I'm excited to get to talk about today, because I do think for people with a faith paradigm, their church or synagogue or mosque can be part of this and should be, hopefully, a place where your family likes to be and where you want your kids to be and I think it's a helpful part. So yes, there was a little bit of that built in. Even during my years as a single mom, it was really pretty consistent church attendance, attending events, getting my kids plugged in. Once they were older, are they connected with the student groups at church, things like that. So yeah, I was really grateful for that. So that's definitely a piece of it. And I would say if that is your world, take advantage of that because there's often things for the whole family. Sometimes there's camps or seminars, but there are also kid-specific things. And it can it can really help kids who maybe don't have a peer group as much at school to have something. Because I know for us, that was a big deal because my kids attend a private school. So we don't live in the neighborhood with their peers from school. It's a drive to go see a friend from school, and yet we live near our church. So, you know, there can be friends nearby who maybe you go to church with that you don't go to school with. So all kinds of different things come into play. But church was one, and then I was, and I've said this before, very thankful that my first foray of educating my children outside the home was at the Montessori. That was a great community. It's very loving. It's very gentle, very accepting, very diverse. And my kids met some great adults there too. So I think that was good. And I think school can be part of our community. If you're at a good school and it feels not only that your child is being met developmentally appropriately, but that they're being cared for emotionally and mentally, then school can absolutely be a part of that. And for my children, it definitely became that. I think once they're older and choosing their own friendships, they kind of get some say in that, of course, right? But school was a big one and still is. I still have one in high school. And I think it's not an understatement to say a big part of why he's still at that school is the friend group. And that that's a community for him when things are hard or when he needs to talk. And guys don't do that as much just stereotypically, but they'll go and play soccer and Mm -hmm. chat or listen to music and chat. And so I'm glad that he has that. But our other one is family. And we are pretty – I'm grateful. We have extended family even nearby, lots of cousins. We don't see them often. It's kind of this mostly at the holidays type of thing. But I do think – cultivating that is important. And so I want my kids to at least see their family. And I also encourage that for them seeing the family on their dad's side. They have this huge, wonderful, hospitable Filipino side of the family that's amazing. And so when he, when their dad, he wants to take them to, to visit them, I encourage that. Yes, you should go see those relatives too. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think family is part of that. It's really interesting that you mentioned the neighborhood. That's never been my jam. And so I had a funny experience actually just this week. I'm on a Buy Nothing group on Facebook. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just micro gifting communities that are by neighborhood. So you can put something on there that you'd like to give away. People can also let you know if they're looking for something. So I was giving something away. And the person who I chose 
came and got it and then sent me a Facebook message and said, by the way, it was a short walk. I'm your next door neighbor. Oh, no. <laughs> and I didn't crazy. even know her. So it's really interesting just that difference from what you said. But I think also some of that is a function of my people are bigger now. So mm-hmm. I'm not also looking for, are there kids they can play with in the neighborhood? Right. Because when they were littler, I did do that more like in my apartment complex as a single mom. I'd meet kids. We'd go to the playground or the waiting pool. And now I think naturally we just don't do as much of that. But that was funny that you said that to me because I was like, yeah, just recently I was pointed out to me. I don't even know my next door neighbor. <laughs> I love it. How about you? Well, I think the the main thing that we were or I was worried about, I shouldn't speak for Dave, but I was definitely worried about was the family piece. Um, you know, they they have each other, they have us, and they have my dad, but we live as this unit. So that's it. There's nothing outside of us that's family here. And so we kind of adopted this idea of chosen family, that mm. you do choose your family when your actual family either isn't available or isn't a healthy environment for you. Um, luckily, ours is a healthy environment. They're just not here. So as you know, they have a lot of aunties and uncles who are not related to them. I mean, they call you Auntie Dina and mm-hmm. Uncle Scott. And we just really wanted people that we were close to that we knew that they were going to grow with for them to see them as family, even if they're not technically family. Because family to me means this is someone you can call when you don't feel like you can talk to us. This is someone who's going to take you out and you're going to have fun with them. They're going to invest in you and show love for you and be a part of your journey. And because we're just so limited on actual family here, that became how we did it. So the kids have, you know, probably 20 aunties and 20 uncles local, um, you know, and everyone's invested in varying degrees. But these are people that we see regularly. They're our friends who really have taken a shine to our kids. Um, They're Santi. My friend Sandra is incredibly involved and has been like from day one. She's here all the time. It has built a relationship with them that's so special. And her boyfriend Ian also just like came into the fray and just embraced that. And you know, I think they really see them as people they can go to. And that's that's what we wanted, that mm-hmm. sense of community. Um, and I know that for Dave, one of his worries about us not having a faith paradigm is the absence of community. Like, that's what he keeps looking for. He's like, I want to find a church where you're comfortable, meaning me, where he's comfortable, and where we have a community for our kids. Because that piece he grew up with, mm-hmm. major church community, and now he doesn't have that personally or for his kids. So that's something that we're just still constantly on the lookout for. We found a great church here that we both really, really liked, but no community. (laughs) They're just starting and they're building and very few families. And that was really tricky. Mm. You know, like, how do we pick that when the community piece is so important for him? Um, So that was huge. And then, you know, we lucked out. We live in a cul-de-sac with a bunch of amazing families who all get along really well. And we have like events. We have our annual Christmas party and our annual barbecue in the summer. And um, the kids this summer just were outdoors all day. It was that like 1950s summer, mm-hmm. like I'll see you at dinner, you know. So great. It was amazing. And, you know, that's luck, but it's also cultivating. You know, my my parents wouldn't have been out in the cul-de-sac encouraging that. And we really are. We happen to also really like our neighbors. They're mm-hmm. great. Um, very similar parenting styles, I think, which helps. But um you know, you have to be willing to go out there. We had a family who lived in our cul-de-sac that didn't. They were never out. 
And so that's, you know, that's fine. That's said without judgment. But it is proof that just because you happen to be in a neighborhood that has community doesn't mean you're going to benefit from it. So, you know, we are out there. We are involved. We attend the events and we love the children and love the families. So that helps. So I think they get community there. And then exactly what you said about the school. Community at school has been amazing for us. Like I happen to have met just a really special group of moms that I gel with, who I trust who parent similarly and have great kids. And so we do a lot of events together. We get together a mm. lot. And that also provides this sense of community. So I think between the chosen family, the neighborhood, and the school, the kids have really gotten a sense of, I have people who have my back, which is what community yes. is about, right? Got to have that. And I'm so glad. Thank you for moving a little bit into the how, because I think I kind of talked about the what. You know, it can be church and school and family and friends and all of that. But then how do you cultivate it? Because what you just said about your neighborhood is so apropos that just being in it doesn't mean you'll benefit from it. You have to actually be intentional. And it's the same thing with what you said about the family you choose. So we should probably talk for a few minutes about then how do you go about that? Maybe you know where you're going to be finding it. Maybe it is your local school or you have a community center, but then what do you do? And so I think one of the things I'd like to mention is it's going to take some intentionality. It does not. Now, occasionally you just meet someone and it's amazing totally. and it's organically off the charts. I'm looking at someone with <laughs> um, I remember just that. met for coffee and like, here we are. But I think more often than not, you got to put some time mm -hmm. in. And this also means that in our busy world, you're going to have to be intentional. Like I said, it's going to have to be, I might have to carve out time to get to know these people from my book club or to get to know these moms from the local school mm -hmm. because it isn't going to probably just happen. We're all so busy. So I think one how point that I would emphasize is this idea of go ahead and schedule it, carve time out, be serious about it. Don't just wait for it to magically happen. Yeah. I mean, and I'm naturally extroverted, so I can speak to this pretty well. And I think it's going to be really important for our more introverted listeners to hear, well, how do you do that if you don't want to do that? Yeah. Um, but one of the things I've done both years of school is um, th I've hosted a parent's night out, not at my house, but just to like, hey, for all the parents in the class, let's meet at this place you know, we did it one year without kids, one year with kids, and get to know each other. We're going to be in each other's lives. We're going to be in each other's community. Um, our kids are all in class together. Let's get to know each other. And that has always been awesome. Like, not everyone shows up, but I always meet people that I hadn't met before who I like that I then forge a new relationship with. Um, and then I also get to see people I already know and like. And it just, again, it builds that sense of community. Like, don't ignore the fact that your kids, you got 26, 28 kids all in class together all day long for nine months. It'd be cool for the parents to get to know each other. So that was kind of my philosophy. But I'm really good at that kind of thing. Um, and so I'm curious kind of, so how do you do that when maybe it's not a place of comfort? for you, mm -hmm. you know? Well, actually, though, what you just described for, I can only speak for myself, but for me as an introvert, that's way less threatening to me than a one-on-one -on -one invite. Mm. Because that could be, especially if you're a person who doesn't like any rejection, inviting someone, that's really vulnerable, inviting a one-on-one, -on -one, would you like to go have coffee with me sometime? I'd like to get to know you better. And then they say no, or I really can't, or I'm too busy and it falls off. If you're prone to this, you could actually internalize that as a rejection. But putting an event out there where it's just like, if you want to come, you can, 
that actually, at least for someone like me, feels a lot less intimidating. And I had an experience with this actually with our church because we were looking through this huge pamphlet of all the small groups. So they try to have groups for people that maybe all have a similar affinity. There's even a knitting club, you know, you name it, or divorce care, celebrate recovery, things like that for people who need some specific things. But Scott and I looked through it and said, there's nothing for us. And so we had this actual experience of we'd like to get to know other blended families who are trying to follow God in the midst of this, trying to walk this difficult journey with a lot of complexities. Why don't we start a group? And it was sort of this, if you build it, they will come thing. You just put it out there. And we literally were praying for two couples. I remember specifically because we said one-on-one is going to be awkward or feel like we're trying to do counseling with them. God, just bring us two couples. And we had nine. Wow. So it was amazing. So for me, I actually think even as an introvert, if you put an event together, Mm -hmm. it's a little less threatening Mm -hmm. than these maybe two intense one-on-one invites for someone who that's not comfortable for them. But again, I don't know that that's true for other people. I can just say for me, it was a really great way to go about it. And we did the same thing with starting that group. And now it's been going for four years. Well, what's nice about an event is that you have multiple people to choose from. Mm -hmm. So if you don't gravitate toward one, you're probably going to gravitate towards someone else. And this is actually how I found my mom group at the school was I hosted the parents' night out. There were a couple of them that had already sort of found each other at the bus stop and um, had really hit it off. And we were at this parents' night out, and I was like, these are my people. Like, I shall make you mine. And um, and grabbed them and was like, this is my, this is my tribe. Like, these are the mm-hmm. people that I want to do life with. And um, it's it's been amazing. So I think thinking outside the box, like – you know, not feeling stuck to school events, not feeling stuck, you know, even like you said, like the church, what the church already offered was tons, but being able to say, this is what I want to build a community around. What do I need to do to go out and do that? Yeah. And another good thing to remember is it's a bit like a Venn diagram with the interlocking and overlapping circles. Not all of your communities will intersect and that's fine. And you also don't need to go deep with all of them. For instance, maybe you work with people that you quite like and you might once in a while do something social with them because there's work Christmas party or something, but maybe they're not your friends. That's okay. And I think removing some of that pressure, too, that every element of your life has to have some deep community can help. We already have so much pressure on ourselves as parents in so many ways. This doesn't need to be one more. We're saying it's really important that you have people around you who maybe are similar to you or like some of the things you like or where you can do some things together that you all enjoy. Or maybe you're just in the same season of parenting. Maybe it's about, hey, we match the stuff we're walking through, but not to feel that every encounter needs to lead to some deep seated communal aspect. I don't I don't want to be saying that either because that's not going to happen. Some areas of your life, some of your spheres of influence are going to stay a little more surface and that can be okay. It's more that we want to say in the areas where you see, like what you said, I see my people, Yeah, go get them. them. Yeah, because that's really important. It'll be important for your children too. This is an element of modeling when they see you surround yourself with people who can be a support for you and can end up being friends with you. They learn to do that in their lives. Right. And I think also the other piece of that, like we need community as parents. Children need community outside of us. Like we cannot be their be all end all. We can't. And that's A, way too much pressure on us. And B, it it doesn't allow them the opportunity really to vent about us. And they need to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. They need 
someone in their life. It doesn't have to be a blood relative. It could be a coach. It could be the next door neighbor. They need someone in their life that they can go to and be like, oh, my mom, right? And that person is just going to listen and love them and and let it be okay. And when we don't form community around us, we, we don't give them the opportunity to seek out others. And when they launch, right, when they go out into the world, we want them to know how to make friends. We want them to know how to go seek what they need from people who aren't their parents because Mm -hmm. that's going to be the rest of their life. So, so important. Yeah, I love that you said that. Another element of this I thought of, and I want to really be clear with an upfront disclaimer that I am a fan, as are you, and we've talked about this, of really exposing children to a lot of different viewpoints, different people, maybe even people you might butt up against a little bit where you're going to go, we're going to be a little bit like bumper cars here. But I also think community building can be an important way to help pass on values that are important to you. And so being intentional about maybe surrounding yourself with other, surrounding your children rather, with other adults who see things somewhat similarly and they go, oh, it's not just mom and dad who thinks that. And I know that for me as a single mom, this became really critical in, in that how am I going to raise my kids with my faith if we're this island of just me and them? And so then it became kind of this three-legged stool for me of the family, their Christian school, and our church. And that became very important. And again, not to create this homogenous viewpoint, but for them to go, wow, my teacher also said that. Oh, and then my leader at church said that. It 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 shows them there's other adults with these values and can help take some of that pressure off of just the parent, like the be all end all. Now, I do think we're our first, our child's first and most important teacher of what our values are. But there is nothing wrong. And in fact, I would say I encourage other adults to get in on that. Let them be surrounded with other people who can help them on that journey. Or maybe, like you said, with the venting, the same goes with the questioning faith stuff. I wanted my children to know there were other adults they could go grab coffee with. My kids have done this and say, I'm having a question about this and I want an opinion other than just mom. Mm -hmm. So I think that can be really helpful, too. Oh, 100%. And I think I know for you it's that faith paradigm but I think that's true, whatever your values are, right? Absolutely. And I know that's what you're saying. I'm yes, just adding that. Like, you know, for us, it's, you know, so much about emotional intelligence and empathy and this sort of mental health perspective that we parent with. And absolutely, the, you know, their Santi is right yep. up on that. And it is. Sometimes they come home and they're like, guess what Santi said? And I'm like, I've been saying that for a month, <laughs> right? But hearing it from someone else it makes it click. You know, sometimes I think we're just like wah-wah, you know, Charlie Brown wah-wah in their ears. And so having, yes, having that community that's upholding the same values and, and, and also gives kids a chance between themselves, right? Not just the adults, but also then the kids. I would think that for your children as Christians to have a safe community, to be Christian and talk about it without worry of being off-putting or, you know, some of these things that I know you deal with Mm -hmm. as a Christian in our modern world, um, that's a place where they can just be those things that they are freely. And do it really safely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the same when you look at any kind of community, right? Like take the theater community. We're just talking about theater kids. We're kind of weirdos. Like we're a little Mm -hmm. different, you know? Um, And one of the things I loved about it was that theater people, much like a sports team, they've got your back. 
right? Yes. Your teammates have got your back. And it's the same with theater. Your theater people, you might be a weirdo at school, but when you get to rehearsals, you fit in. And mm-hmm. those people have got your back. And that is so important for children. Whatever space you can find where they fit in, mm-hmm. where they feel like, ah, oh, these people get me. They need that sense of belonging. Yeah. I belong somewhere and not just at home. And that's huge. And the, why I said I was hoping to get to talk about that is just a very small anecdote. But my son just finished Les Miserables. And oh, my goodness, even the kids he'd been in other shows with that weren't in Les Mis came and saw it. And I just that just really touched me. It's not like those are the people he hangs out with every second. But they came and supported him. And people from his school came and supported him. And They weren't even part of it. It was not put on by his school. And I just that community is really special. And I'm glad he's developed some friendships there because those people show up for you Mm -hmm. literally by being in the seat at your show. And that that I mean, they'll show up for you in other ways, too. And it translates, which is beautiful. But it also means something to say, I took time out of my schedule. I paid for a ticket. Maybe I got off work. Some of these teens have jobs and I'm going to come and support you. And I thought it was amazing. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. And I've seen it with our chosen family where chosen grandparents and chosen aunts and uncles come to something that our kids are doing and they feel that sense of community like it's not just Mm -hmm. me my mom my dad and my poppy I have all these people who love me and support me and want to show up and I think you're absolutely right like and you see that with sports teams you hear about that right some kid plays baseball and soccer and his soccer team shows up to the baseball Mm -hmm. game you know so this is why community is so important Whatever it looks like, and there isn't like a one-size-fits-all, but exactly what you said, kids need to feel like they belong. They need to feel like they have people who will show up for them, both their peers and the adults in their life. So whatever you can do as a parent to create that feeling for them is going to be good for them mentally, emotionally, in just so many ways. I agree. And when you get to see that little fun cross-pollination of those people and those worlds intersecting, that's so sweet, too. Like, I know it was sweet to me that Sienna's track coaches came to the musical she was in. And then some of her theater friends went and watched a track meet. Or all the people that came to her thesis, it was not just family. It was friends and uh, long, I mean, long family friends that made the time to come and watch her present. And I think that's what I mean by the cross-pollination. You see this world and that world start to intersect out of support for your kid. And there is nothing more amazing than watching that as a parent. Like, well, look at all these people who support my person. Well, and it comes back to that friendship episode that we did. This is also how you teach your children, what are you looking for in a friend? Who are the people in your community that have got your back? Those are your people. And And now as she goes off to college, she has this experience to be replicating. These are the people I want to build in my adult life now that I've moved into that phase. You've hit it exactly. And what it comes down to is these people who show up literally are going to be the people who show up figuratively too if there's a struggle or you need a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on. And that's essential. Well, we hope you found that discussion on community helpful and maybe you have a couple of ideas of how you can encourage building community for yourself. We got a really nice uh, piece of feedback from a listener recently who said that what she loves about our podcast is that she always gets option A, option B, and she feels led to figure out her own option C. And I thought that was really cool. So hopefully option A and B, if you didn't like it, you have a sense of how to get to your own option C today. Um, Wanted to tell our listeners about the attribute of the month this month. It is initiative, 
We like this one because we talk about it all the time and we thought it's about time we do an attribute of the month on it. So um, if you haven't signed up, go to futurefocusparenting.com, hover over the shop tab, you'll see attribute of the month. It's totally free, amazing newsletter that comes to your inbox every month. I'm going to stop talking now because as you can hear, you are I am still sick. This summer was unbelievable. So I'm going to stop talking and let We're gonna you take let the you rest We're going to let you be done so you don't cough or choke or die. Right. So the quote today is from imom.com. Here's what it says. Very simple, but so true. We can't control our child's future, but we can contribute to our child's future. And I think building this community is one way we contribute. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in Kira's laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>